Hey, appreciate you guys coming out tonight uh, to Heart for the House. This is an opportunity that we have uh, once a quarter to get together and just share vision and uh, what we feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to us for the season that's in front of us. Uh, I think there is such a, an amazing power to when we're all pulling together in the same direction uh, and that we are in vision together. Not die vision, two visions, but one vision pulling together. Uh, God's thought so much about the power of vision and unity that he separated uh, the languages at the Tower of Babel because he said nothing would be impossible to them, even for an ungodly thing. So when I think about the power of unity plus the power of God, uh, I, think, I think so many incredible things are possible. Did anybody stay up late last night and watch the Cubbies win the World Series? I did. Uh, I, don't, I, I probably have not watched a baseball game in years, but uh, what an epic opportunity. Uh, I mean, it could be another 108 years, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to make the next one. So I thought I better seize this window. Uh, it was way past my bedtime, for sure. I think the game ended around 1 o'clock. Did anybody? anybody who stayed up and watched it all the way through? Come on. Come on. Who, where are my fellow warriors at? All right, my fellow stupid warriors that stay, I'm way too late to stay up. I'm sorry, there's nothing good that happens at one o'clock in the morning, except for the Cubs winning the World Series. Um, and I thought to myself, uh, you know, I always have this kind of thought, but um, I'm just watching, you know, what people will do what people want to do. And, uh, and here you're, we're at this, they're at this game, it is packed out, it is raining, they don't care, they're there, uh, they're worshiping, I mean, they're watching the Cubs. Uh, people are standing outside of the stadium, the game was in Cleveland, people are standing outside of the stadium in Chicago, I mean, like thousands of people standing outside. Uh, there weren't even TV screens. They were just like, they wanted to be together for the moment, and there was just a, sort of a scoreboard up, and they would jump and shout at the scoreboard. No TV screens at all. Thousands of people. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm thinking uh, that it's, it's a beautiful thing to come together, uh, and that's a good thing. Sure, that's fun and all that. But I would say for us to come together like this, this is right, this is good. And uh, this might keep you up a little bit later, uh, like 8.30. But, uh, but uh, come on, if the Cubbies can stay up till 1 in the morning, we can stay up till 8.30. Can't we? Amen. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Hey, uh, I have a little video I want you to see. We're going to show it again Sunday. Uh, it is an amazing uh, opportunity to be part of something that is uh, maybe uh, probably even greater and more historic than what just took place last night. Um, well, when Suzette and I were at Team Church Conference in August, there was a young man who uh, got up and shared vision and, and a couple of countries that he had already been in and did a thing called One Nation, One Day. And they, uh, they, are, they, they announced their next one was going to be July 2017 
um, in Nicaragua. And, you know, my ears perked up because of all the investment we've made into Nicaragua. And I thought this would be great. So we've been looking into it. We've been talking to these guys. And we're very excited to be a part of this thing. Uh, it, is, it is epic. I mean, say epic. Uh, I, I don't want to overuse the word, but this is epic. So check this out uh, for a moment. I just want you to see this because some of you may really want to be a part of a, of a, of a world-changing, history-making day. So check this out. The Dominican Church has been united like never before in history. Now. This generation deserves to see the mighty acts of God. We are writing the stories our unborn children will tell. In the coming decades, we're going to see the gospel on full display to entire nations and people groups. Jesus said that before the end comes, the gospel will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. Era when all people in all nations will hear. This is our legacy. This is the power of the global church. This is one nation, one day. The impact of One Nation, One Day Honduras reverberated across Central America and awakened a passion among leaders in Nicaragua. The largest missions team in history will divide and serve seven days in all 17 states across Nicaragua. This team will visit nearly every high school and university in the nation, bringing an inspirational message to an entire generation. As the second poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, Nicaragua is overwhelmed with need for medical care, clean water, and reliable housing. In cooperation with the local government, this global team will take on poverty and bring life-saving aid to those who need it. The hero of One Nation, One Day has always been the local church. That is why thousands of local church pastors will unite in a historic national gathering to be resourced and empowered. Innovators and entrepreneurs will train local business and political leaders in strategic conferences across the nation. Then, in a historic day, on Saturday, July 29, 2017, the nation will gather together as one in 17 stadiums and fields in the heart of of all 17 states. Collaborating with media outlets across the nation, millions will hear the message and chronicle the moment Nicaragua changed forever. There is a formal invitation to join this movement. I declare from this moment, there will be measurable transformation. I, I want to tell the world, keep your eyes on this nation. Love that reaches across continents measurable change that the world can't ignore. A nation coming to God. This is what future generations will hear. Amen. Amen. So we're, we're showing this now because uh, they're actually pulling this together. It's a massive uh, 
outreach to the nation of Nicaragua. And I think, is it July 23rd? Is that the day? July 22nd. So if you show up on the 23rd, it'll be over. Um, but July 22nd, 17, there are 17 states. They're going to take the 17 largest uh, stadiums. They're going to be pouring into schools. Uh, they are renting, I don't know how many, 757s. They have 15 737s to fly out of Miami just in a cycle to bring the thousands of people uh, from the U.S. that will be going there. It's just a massive opportunity. So uh, if, if you like to be a part of great things for the glory of God, you might want to pray about this. And uh, sign up is going to be happening soon for this. Just as you can understand, there's a lot involved. Uh, so we're, we get some information out in the foyer for you now. We'll have uh, starting this Sunday, we'll be presenting it to the whole church. But just a great chance to be a part of something that is uh, amazing. So I want to encourage you to pray about it, uh, to be a part of it. Hey, uh, here we are, Heart for the House. And uh, I want to kind of drop an idea for us that is going to shape us for the next bit. Um, Dr. Sam Chan is a great friend of ours and has come, come and consulted us uh, a number of times. And uh, he's one of the, the greatest uh, leadership strategists in the world. And he has a little saying uh, that a lot of people have picked up, and it is this, that culture eats strategy for lunch. Culture eats strategy for lunch. So the idea is this, that no matter how amazing your strategy is in a church, in a business, even in a family, uh, no matter how great the strategy you come up with is, if your culture is not strong, it won't work. And if your culture is dysfunctional, uh, it, even, it, it can't work at all. And the flip side of this is that a great culture can power through a not-so-great strategy. Um, and the momentum of a great culture can create something great. A healthy culture means healthy church. Amen. Strong culture means strong church. And uh, the culture of our church is built on the values of our church. That's how you create culture. You decide what's valuable to you and what you're going to value because there's so many things that we could be a part of, um, and we have to decide what has God assigned us to be a part of and what are the values that are going to make up our, our church. And values are, uh, the, you, we work hard on kind of getting our values right. Uh, as a church, any good business would do this, any good church would do this, um, where we clarify what our values are. These are the things we value. And what I want to say to us tonight and, and kind of get us to own together as this group, this kind of core heart for the house group, the heart of the house group, is that these values that we hold are not just statements that we write down. Or There was a day in the past where we used to kind of put our value statements out on the wall, you know, out in our foyer. Um, and it's not just statements we write down, it's statements we recite. 
We have a set of values. Um, we used to rehearse them uh, at starting point. Uh, now, now we don't do that because we're trying to condense that. But I want to say that values need to be owned. And values actually need to be lived. Uh, and not just cutely written down on a piece of paper. Uh, right? Uh, so we are the culture of our church. The, the, you know, the culture isn't something out there. It's, it's, it's the, way, the way we actually live, the, the, what we actually engage in, uh, what we actually lean into. And, you know, I've been around this too long to, uh, it's an unrealistic expectation to have to expect everybody that comes on a Sunday morning to lean in wholeheartedly uh, to our church in terms of values and owning it and creating the culture. Um, but if there's anybody that is going to do it, it's going to be us, this group, you know, this, uh, this set of people that is going to be the culture creators, the, the, uh, the ones who own it, the ones who live it, uh, the ones who embody it, the ones who realize that, that we, these are the things that, that we are all about. So the, the 10 values that we have uh, written down, and, and I'm just going to take a moment to read through these, uh, but the value number one is we love to stay connected to heaven through prayer and worship. So we place a huge value on prayer. We place a huge value on worship. Now, that isn't just something to have on a piece of paper. If we place a huge value on prayer, we have a 21-day prayer season coming up. Uh, and and uh, so the culture of prayer is we will all lean in hard to that to be a praying church because that's what Jesus wants us to be. Uh, value number two is relationships matter a lot. And we understand the value of relationships um, number three is, value number three is God wants people to succeed in life, and we want to help. Value number four is excellence inspires people and glorifies God. So, you know, I realized years ago that, that excellence is, is a culture thing, and you can't prescribe excellence by just giving people orders, and direction on how things are to be done and, and get persnickety about it. It's people owning a spirit of excellence, a culture of excellence. And, but excellence inspires people. Excellence glorifies God. Value number five is we are life-giving and not legalistic. Anybody glad about that? Come on. Um, and uh, value number six is generosity is our flow. Uh, and I use the word flow on purpose, think river, not pie. Value number seven is we're fishing in the ocean, which is why we present a one nation, one day thing uh, for us to be involved in. And we're saying own Christmas Eve and help your family understand that this is, it's, this is our family tradition. You know, our family tradition isn't to skip church so that we can, you know, eat too much at home, uh, you can eat too much after you come, leave church. Uh, but, uh, but we're fishing in the ocean, and we're not maintaining an aquarium. We're not here just for us, right? Value number eight is 
God so loved the world, he did not send a committee. We love leaders and leadership. We're committed to the idea that when God wants to get something done, he raises up leaders to do it. Value number nine is we love the next generation and we value the previous generations. I had an opportunity to play a great round of golf with uh, an older man who is a Jewish guy, and we had a really great open conversation about church and spirituality and all this. And, and I asked him, I said, you know, that he goes to a, a little synagogue in, in, nearby here, and uh, it probably in, on a Sunday has about 30 or 40 people. And, you know, I'm asking him, what's, you know, is, why is that? I mean, and basically, you've got to be born into it or want to convert to it because you like you've married somebody uh, that is part of the, the Jewish faith. They don't really proselytize. They don't really reach to the next generation. So a lot of their church is, is just growing older and older and older and getting smaller and smaller and dying. And we got to realize that, that no matter how old you are, it's the next generation that's going to carry the baton. You know, it's the next generation that brings life and energy. And we got to own that. And yet we also understand that, that we, don't, we don't just love the next generation. We, we, all, we value the previous generations. We've, we value the shoulders we get to stand on. And we say, thank you. That's a good thing to do, right? And then value number 10 is that we embrace people just like they are and then help them grow into all they can be. And that is the value of discipleship, um, that we, we're not just interested in people coming uh, to church on Sunday and getting inspired and lifted up, but uh, we really want people to become disciples of Jesus Christ and grow and become all that God's called them to be. So this next month, on Sundays, uh, I'm going to be back into wide open spaces. I'm going to be back into 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Uh, those two chapters are, uh, are very strong chapters that, that the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, is actually helping the Corinthian church and helping us get a mindset about financial resources and giving. And it's under the same heading of wide open spaces. And uh, I'm going to ask you uh, to lean into this thing with me in a serious way. Because whenever you start talking about money or giving, weird spirits materialize in the people. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? And, uh, you know, it's always funny. People who love to give, when you preach giving, they get so excited about giving. So that's why when people get mad about it, uh, it shows me where their heart is, right? So uh, we're going to be talking about this value that we have as a church that we want to own. Now, our ushers are going to hand out, we're going to hand out a, a thing called the Generosity Adventure, and this, this is, we're going to hand this out every week, and this is going to be, matter of fact, can you bring me one of those two, please? Um, well, this is going to be uh, just a way to educate and to inform and to inspire our church to, to be generous towards God, um, but this is a value of our church. 
Um, generosity, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. Generosity is our flow. So we, this is our, a value that is going to shape the culture of our house. Now, I want to say some things that I think should be obvious to us all. Um, what I want to do with this, what I want to teach with this, is an understanding that you can start giving to the Lord at whatever level you want to start giving, but tithe is obedience. And true generosity is beyond tithe. So, so I want to teach that, and I want to teach that in the right spirit, and, but I'm going to need you to help me. And so if you ever amened, if you ever prayed for your pastor, if you ever leaned in, if you ever loved your pastor for a minute, uh, this next few weeks, you're going you're gonna, gonna to need you to lean into this thing with me. Okay, would you do it? Would you do it? Uh, and uh, so what I want to do is lovingly but clearly uh, help our church understand that uh, this is the way God does things. I mean, this is, the, this is the, the life God wants us to live. These are the wide open spaces that he wants to bring us into. I'm convinced that the church can only fulfill its mission at the speed of our generosity. Right? Now, really, at the speed of the embrace of all of our values, right? Are we willing to embrace, you know, fishing in the ocean? <laughs> Are we willing to embrace we're a house of prayer and a house of worship? Are we willing to embrace excellence? And, but, but I want to drill down for just a little while for us because it just, I'm, I'm in this passage in 2 Corinthians, all of 2 Corinthians 8, all of 2 Corinthians 9 gives us amazing, actually has changed my life personally, and is that's the angle I want to come from on, on Sundays. But I had, an, I had an epiphany. I had an awakening moment. I had a, I had a, um, a recognition of what our church had slipped to, if that's the right way to say it, um, that, that made me wake up and go, okay, I've got, I got to teach the word on this in a, in a clear and a bold way uh, because this is the value of generosity is not just what we want to have on a piece of paper. I want us to be a generous church. I, I, want, I want to be a generous man. I want, to, I want you to be a generous person. So you remember a few weeks ago, um, I, uh, we had Jeff Knight in, the, the race car driver, pastor, guy from uh, Seattle area, and just a great guy. He did our, our men's meeting on uh, Friday night, and then he, uh, he, went, he spoke for us on Sunday, and that was the same Sunday that I was invited to speak, and Suzette and I went to uh, our church in Greensboro. Now, um, the pastor of the church in Greensboro uh, was on our staff for about eight or nine years and, um, and learned pretty much how he was going to do ministry. I mean, he, all his formation for how to do ministry and, uh, was kind of formed here and went to Greensboro and started this church in, in Greensboro. And so they had invited me to come speak on a Sunday. So um, I'm in Greensboro. Jeff is here speaking and uh, on that particular Sunday, uh, our attendance was, was 
probably three times what their attendance was in, in Greensboro. But my honorarium from their church, one-third the size of ours, was twice what our church gave to Jeff Knight. So you're talking a church that is literally one-third the size of ours on that Sunday, giving to ministry a generous ministry gift of honor that was twice what our church gave. And I, I was, to be honest, a little embarrassed at what we pulled together for Jeff and I think we actually added something to it uh, to make it work, but it made me realize a couple of things. One is that uh, Pastor Witt, who is leading that church in Greensboro, was really only teaching them what I had taught him. Uh, and, but the contrast woke me up. Have you ever had one of those moments where you just all of a sudden you, you, you walk in and you go, oh my gosh. It's like, it's like when you go to put on that pair of pants and you realize, oh my gosh, I really have put some weight on. Those pants don't even fit my rear anymore, right? That kind of thing. Um, and uh, it woke me up about, about what kind of church are we really going to be? You know, are, are, we, are we just going to be kind of a sloppy little no excellence, no generosity church, or are we going to bust the devil over the head living this thing the kingdom way, right? And uh, so for years, uh, you know, when we had people in our church for ministry, uh, they, would, they would marvel at our church's generosity. I mean, this is like when we're at Turtle Creek Shopping Center and our church was easily half the size it is now or less. And the giving of our church at that time was so significant. I mean, I had one guy that we would have in on a fairly regular basis that said, I love to come to your church because you guys literally make up for three or four churches. <laughs> and, and if every church had that kind of generosity, it would be an incredible thing. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm here tonight to call us to a level of commitment to godly generosity that will lift us to a new level, that will either accelerate our mission or decelerate our mission. Uh, our, our commitment to ministry, people who come into our house, that ministry gifts, Jeff Knights and Paul Scanlons and uh, Terry Chris and different people that come into this house and bring ministry, um, we've got to have a, a clearer, better understanding of honoring the people who God sends to us for ministry as a church. Uh, and, and, not, and not take them for granted at all. Uh, our, our commitment to missions, our commitment to this endeavor project, which 
you know this by now. If you've been here for a while, you know it. But if you're just new here, you probably have already figured this out. As soon as we finish this, we're on to something. I mean, it's not, it's not like we're going to go, okay, we're done. We're going to keep moving the ball down the field. Well, I mean, we are going to keep expanding and reaching and growing and uh, see this move forward. So, uh, and I've, I've said this before. I've actually borrowed this from somebody else. But there are cheaper churches to go to. But our house, I believe, is appointed by God to do a great thing in this region. Our commitment to excellence, our commitment to move forward is either going to be accelerated or decelerated by our generosity as a church. Um, And, you know, this is my chance to talk clearly and distinctly to us. Um, When we first started looking at the whole uh, Endeavor project, um, we had a, a company come in that, that works with churches to do capital campaigns, and uh, it's a na- their name Generis. And uh, they did a study of our church, and, and their study of our church was that 13% of the people who were actually giving, not just 13% of our church, but 13% of the church who were actually giving were, were tithing. So that means that that not even our whole church, 13% of our whole church, but 13% of the people who actually are giving anything are, are tithing based on what uh, Asheville's median income is. Um, and now, let me, let me say this clearly for us. God has a plan for resourcing the ministry of his church on the earth. It's called chicken dinners. I meant bake sales. God's plan is not a plan that I made up or some other pastor down the road made up or some marketing company made up. God's plan is tithe and offering. That's God's plan, to resource his church. Now, I'm saying to you that if we have been able to reach the number of people that we've been able to reach with a 13% participation level to honor God, I'm, I'm, I just can't, I'm wondering what we could do with 100% participation. Now, again, I am not going to set myself up for that kind of disappointment uh, <laughs> to expect 100%. But if we could double it, that would be pretty awesome. God's plan is a plan that's called tithe and offering. It's a plan that works. It's a, pl- it's a plan that provides fully for his church And, I hope we understand this, it's a plan that releases God's blessing to everyone who participates. So, this this is not about what God is trying to get from you or the church is trying to get from you. This is about what God is trying to do for you and what the church is wanting to do for you. Acts 20, uh, verse 35, 
remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So generosity, everybody say generosity. It's more blessed to be generous. It's more blessed to be a giver than a taker. It's more blessed to be a channel rather than a pool. And I think we understand this, but, but I don't, I'm going to go after this pretty clearly. So it's going to get quiet in this room. It won't get quiet tonight, will it? But it's going to get quiet in this room on Sundays unless you help a brother out. So, but, you know, people want to say generosity is not just about money. And that is true. But generosity does definitely touch your money. Because your heart string is attached to your whatever you use. <laughs> I wanted to say checkbook, but you may not even use one anymore. I wanted to say credit card, but somebody would take it wrong. Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And I, I, believe, I, loved, I love the spirit of generosity. You know, it's not just checks in the offering or that sort of thing, but I love just being generous in gesture towards people, uh, generous in giving, generous in relationship. It's an attitude, that, a posture that, that we get. Um, and it, it, uh, it touches our finances. It touches the way we give. Here's a scripture, that, uh, a story that Jesus told. Now, a lot of people think Jesus was all love and butterflies and butterfly kisses. Uh, and this is Jesus, all right? Luke uh, 12, verse 16. Jesus told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. He began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll turn on my barns and build a bigger one. And there I'll store all my grain and my soul, my goods. And I will say to my own soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Come on, that's the American dream. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. Now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. Uh, and that, I like this idea. I don't think Jesus has any problem with you having a barn or a bigger barn or a house, I mean, or a car that runs or a, good, a great car. I don't think he has any problem with that. But I think this idea of being rich toward God, being generous. See, I love, I think generosity shows up in a lot of places. It shows up how you tip at the restaurant. It, it shows up when the hat goes around for birthdays, right? It, you know, it, it shows up when people are saying, I want to do this one nation, one day thing. You know, will, will you support my trip? It, it shows up in the presents that we buy our spouses. I said, uh, it, that's, I mean, that's a heart of generosity. So we know it's bigger than offerings, right? 
But generosity, it's about having this bigness of spirit. It, it's, a, it's, about, it's about giving and receiving in, in an abundant way. It's, it's about getting this posture. I am a generous man. I'm a generous woman. I am going to give and receive abundantly in life. Amen. Anybody with me on this? All right, here's what I want to do. Uh, I want you to hear from a great couple in our church. They are going to get interviewed. Uh, Rhett and Jamie Cathcart are going to come up here. Ryan is going to interview them for a few moments. And they are going to get to tell their story uh, about honoring God and pursuing God with this whole idea of generosity. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor. Hey, can we give it up for these guys one more time? I love hearing stories. Uh, I love telling stories. We all have our story, right? I'm sure you're probably even thinking about different uh, thoughts that you've had about this particular topic. It can be uh, a, a divisive topic, but I think God uh, has, has shown us very clearly, just even the verses Pastor's sharing with us tonight, he has a plan for us, and that plan is generosity. So look, we're going to talk with uh, some awesome people here, Rhett and Jamie Cathcart. So just introduce yourselves a little bit. Tell us about yourselves, how long you've been here. Sure. Again, uh, Rhett, and this is my lovely wife, Jamie. I've uh, been here for three years at The Rock. Um, we actually moved here from Arkansas. We are out there for six years, uh, then came back home to this area, which we are originally from. And uh, we have a little girl. Her name is Harper. And she's two. She most is of us adorable. Know, yeah. Most of you know us as written, you know, you're Harper's parents. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but um, we're you know, proud to be, you know, her parents. Uh, she's a wonderful little girl. But uh, we have been, been to Rock, I guess, uh, three years in December. Uh, the very first month we came back, uh, Jamie found the Rock online and said, hey, I want to try this church, you know. And, uh, and it was the Kids Rock theme that really got us interested, you know, the, the value of embracing the next generation it really meant a lot to us. And that was before Harper even came along. Yeah. Uh, so that's what got us here. And uh, I think we joined shortly after probably April time frame of 14. So we just feel blessed to be here. Awesome. I actually remember meeting these guys. Have you ever met those people where you're like, you know, I, I really hope they like us. <laughs> I hope they like our church and come back. These are, these are these guys. So we're talking about generosity here, obviously. Tell us a little bit about uh, how, how did you grow up with uh, this mindset? What, what were some things that you were taught about generosity growing up? I guess I can go first and let Jamie go. Um, I guess everybody has a grandmother in their life that is kind of an inspiration and a model for you. I actually had a great aunt that was like a grandmother to me. And uh, she was in Chester, South Carolina. And I spent a lot of uh, time with her, you know, vacations, summers, uh, weekends and whatnot. And just, uh, just a very generous Christian Southern woman, a wonderful lady. And, and the way that she embraced her community and embraced her church and the way she would give back. Uh, people would get sick. She'd take them dinners. Uh, any kind of potluck, she was doing dinners and generous, generous with her finances. And it, it wasn't so much that she was you know, a generous person. It's just the way that she went about serving, I guess, would really touch my heart. And yeah. just kind of a, a selfless uh, person and said, hey, life's not about me and, and uh, I want to find a way to give back. So that was really inspiration in my nice. life. Yeah. What about you, Jimmy? I know. It kind of goes the same way for me. Um, I don't think financial, financial generosity was big in my family. Um, not that we didn't have it to give, but time was always given. 
um, my parents set good examples of that. And um, I think initially when Rhett and I got involved in a church, that was easy for us to do, is to give our time and to serve. And um, so I guess it just came like that naturally for us. And how did that start to shape your thinking as you were growing up, uh, maybe even with your, your aunt? How did that start to affect you as you were turning into a teenager and all that? Um, I actually kind of went through a lull, you know, after I, I hit my teenage years. Um, and really my generosity, uh, I feel like we really didn't hit our stride till we were together. Uh, we kind of got married late in life, and uh, we were in Arkansas, just the two of us. And uh, just, you know, building a relationship with us and, and really building our relationship with God and just uh, really embracing that. And uh, we had a little church out there that we just bought into, and we were able to give uh, financially. Uh, and and we were really, that was really a strong point of ours and felt like that was the way that we were supposed to contribute. Uh, but then later, uh, as Jamie alluded to, we began serving through other means. And that's where it really gets rewarding when yeah. you start helping out kids' ministry or your greeter, you know. Um, so that's about that time in my life when I was in my 30s, that's when it really started to hit stride at this little church out in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. so keep talking about that. How, how did, how did your, your mindset and, and the, your thinking about generosity start to evolve as an adult? I think for me, I had a moment out in Arkansas, and it was um, when our pastor said to us one Sunday that, you know, God had given his first and his best for us, and Sorry. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I, um, I thought, oh, gosh, am I, am I giving my first and my best to him? And um, it, it really did, tra it transformed us. I mean, like, we went from, our pastor used to call it tipping. We went from tipping to tithing yeah. to generosity. And, um, and then to see the blessing that flowed back onto us, just giving of our time and our finances, um, just continues to blow me away today. Yeah, that's great. So we all go through, yeah, that's awesome. You know, we all go through different seasons in our lives. And um, maybe talk to us a little bit. Has there ever been a season where you guys, you felt like it's, it's kind of challenging? This is kind of difficult to be generous, to live in generosity. Well, this season with Harper has definitely been a challenge. Again, we have a two-year-old at home, and I think it would have been easy to say, hey, the timing's not right. You know, uh, one of the things we did within the last year was join the children's ministry team here, and we just love it. But it would have been easy to say, hey, you know, the timing's just not right for us to do those kind of things uh, or to join the, you know, the VIP team. But we've, we've made a point and just said, hey, we need to work through this. Um, good example is a rock group. We just hosted a rock group, had a blast doing that. Something Jamie and I have wanted to do since we got back, but you know, Harper's an obstacle. And I was like, hey, you know, how, how do we work through this? And I understand. Yes, <laughs> you understand. So, you know, how do we work through this? But we just, you know, thought about it and prayed about it, and uh, it worked out. You know, Jamie would um, help facilitate kind of the beginning of the meeting with the food and whatnot. And then at the end, you know, going through the videos and, and worship together or, or sharing the word together, I would facilitate while she looked after the little girl. So it worked out. Oh, uh, you, you, uh, I wasn't sure if you were going to share about our current situation and kind of how God continues to bless us. Um, currently, we are um, in a little bit of a challenging uh, time frame, and 
To be honest with you, it hasn't felt like that at all. And um, I think that's a clear reminder from God that um, there are good things ahead. And that um, we have just continued to push forward and we have no plans on changing that. And um, we are looking forward to what he has ahead for us. And um, yeah, just all the blessings that have come and will come. Absolutely. Last question here. So if you could think back to your 18-year-old self just a couple of years ago, um, what would you say to your 18-year-old self when it comes to generosity? I think if I, if I think back to when I was 18, I was, you know, headed off to college, and it was all about being independent, you know, I'm away from the family and kind of out on my own, and, and that was the reality of it, but it was like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. And uh, really thinking at that point that life's about me, right? Get your first car, you're off on your own, you got your first place, you got TV, et cetera. And uh, I would go back and just, you know, remind myself that, hey, you know, life's really not about you. Um, there, there's a lot more to give back. Uh, and, and when you give back, wonderful things start to happen uh, when you start putting generosity forward. So it, uh, it is a blessing. And you don't realize that when you're 18, but, you know, when you're in your 30s and 40s and you start to do it yourself, you experience it. Jamie, what would you say? I actually, when I was thinking about this, um, it made me think of Harper and everything that I want to instill in her. And when she turns 18 and 16 years, which will come fast, I'm sure, um, I want her to know who she is. And that, you know, truthfully, that if she continues to put God first in her life, that she will be blessed because his plans for us, you know, are just greater than anything we could possibly ever imagine up. Absolutely. Hey, can we give these guys an awesome hand? Thank you guys so much for sharing. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you know, uh, we wanted to have these guys up uh, because, you know, they're, they're learning to practice generosity towards God, both financially and with time, uh, in, uh, in, in good times and even in challenging times. And uh, I just think that idea to say, you know what, I'm going to decide what kind of person I'm going to be, regardless of whether it's cold outside or hot outside, <laughs> whether, you know, whether things are going my way or not, I'm, I'm going to choose to be generous. That's going to come out of my heart. It's not going to just be uh, a thing that's dependent on anything outside of me. I want to pray for you guys. Our worship team is coming out. I literally am only one third of the way through my message. So... Um, uh, you guys, thank you for leaning in and, and receiving. I think you got it. I think you know. And I mean, you, you know, you, you're, the, you're the heart of the house. Uh, and so I'm asking you to own this, lean into this. Um, you know, I, I think there are, there literally are, um, gosh, dozens of things that we would love to do that would reach more people if we had the resources to do it. And so this is not about just trying to make it easy Uh, for us as a church at all. This is about empowering us and accelerating our ability to to fulfill the mission God has assigned to us. So um, pray for for these next few Sundays, if you you would please lean into this. Um, I'm asking you to to consider generosity for yourself, both on Sundays and even as we get to our Endeavor Christmas offering. Let's all just take this over the top uh, and let's let's have one of those my friend uh, Philip O'Reilly 
pastors of church in Kansas City, Missouri. We've had him here a few times, and he's one of my best friends, and has a real passion for, uh, for, for uh, assisting a ministry in his town that is working against sex, sex slavery. Uh, and, uh, and this past year, they set a $100,000 goal as a church, and um, just through their fundraising and generosity, they, they were able to give this ministry $132,000. And uh, I just think, you know, and I think... The way you react to that is, I think, the reaction God wants to see all the time for like, hey, we want to do this building project more than what we needed. Hey, we want to plant this new church, or hey, we want to go to the nations, or hey, we want to to plant another location for our church um, when the resources come through the generosity of God's people. It does raise worship to God. So stand with me, if you would, please. And um, I want to pray. We're going to sing one song of worship, uh, and then we're going to be finished for the night. Father, we come before you tonight. What a great plan you have to pour yourself, your resources into us that they can pour through us. God, that you want to love people through us. You want to see financial resources pour through us. Uh, You want to see anointing pour through us. Thank you for including us in your plan. We really do believe that the church is the gate of heaven and that you are walking into our world through great overcoming local churches. So, Father, we come to you as as the heart of this house to say, Lord, uh, by your spirit, plant the spirit of generosity in us at at unbelievable new levels. Let, let, it, let it be the best days ever for the life of our church uh, as, we, as this word gets planted in us. Father, we thank you for it. Let's worship together.